15th Sunday in Ordinary Time Prayer Psalm 69 But as for me, my prayer is to you, Lord, at an acceptable time, O God, in the abundance of your steadfast love, answer me. With your faithful help, answer me, O Lord, for your steadfast love is God. According to your abundant mercy, turn to me, but I am lowly and in pain. Let your salvation, O God, protect me. I will praise the name of God with a song. I will magnify him with thanksgiving. Let the oppressed see it and be glad. You who seek God, let your hearts revive. For the Lord hears the needy and does not despise his own that are in bonds. For God will serve Zion and rebuild the cities of Judah, and his servants shall live there and possess it. The children of his servants shall inherit it, and those who love his name shall live in it. Reading the Word First reading, Deuteronomy chapter 30. The Lord will again take delight in prospering you, just as he delighted in prospering your ancestors when you obey the Lord your God by observing his commandments and decrees that we are and decrees that are written in this book of the law. Because you turn to the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, surely this commandment that I am commanding you today is not too hard for you, nor is it too far away. It is not in heaven that you should say, who will go up to heaven for us and get it for us so that we may hear it and observe it? Neither is it beyond the sea that you should say, Who will cross to the other side of the sea for us and get it for us so that we may hear it and observe it? No, the word is very near to you. It is in your mouth and in your heart for you to observe. Second reading. Colossians chapter 1. Christ is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For in him all things in heaven and on earth were created, things visible and invisible whether thrones or dominions or rulers or powers, all things have been created through him and for him. He himself is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything, for in him 
all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him, God was pleased to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, by making peace through the blood of his cross. Gospel Luke chapter 10 Just then a lawyer stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, what is written in the law? What do you read there? He answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have given the right answer. Do this, and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers who stripped him, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a priest was going down that road and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, while traveling, came near him, and when he saw him, he was moved with pity. He went to him and bandaged his wounds. Having poured oil and wine on them, then put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said, Take care of him, and when I come back, I will repay you whatever more you spend. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers. He said, The one who showed him mercy, Jesus said to him, Go and do likewise. Hearing the word, Lasting prosperity, the scriptures reflect God's deep concern for the well-being and prosperity of the people in both the spiritual and material sense. God's word frequently describes guidelines on how to reach the state of prosperity, as is the case today. The book of Deuteronomy, sometimes called the Testament of Moses, contains numerous instructions and exhortations which Moses delivered prior to his death. Today's passage clearly reflects the intention behind Moses' words. It begins by revealing God's concern about his people's prosperity and how God delights in prospering them. 
God's commandments and decrees were inscribed in the book of the law, known as the Torah, which literally means the law or guidance. The same word refers to the first five books of the Bible, where these laws are found. The Torah is not a collection of God's arbitrary and abstract decrees intended to burden the people. On the contrary, these laws are intended to bring prosperity and well-being to those willing to live by them. Moses insists that God's commands are neither too remote nor too hard to follow. The Torah is not hidden in the heavens or staged away in a distant land. It is accessible and known because God, through Moses, placed it within the people's reach. All the Israelites need to do is to place the Torah in their mouth and their hearts. That is to speak of it and live by it. Thanks to God's gifts of the law, the way of well-being and prosperity has been made known. The second reading begins the sequence of readings from the letter to the Colossians. Today's passage contains one of the most beautiful and profound hymns dedicated to Christ in the New Testament. The author of Colossians placed this hymn in the opening lines of his letter to signify that all he writes should be read and understood in relation to Christ whom you beautifully and profoundly describes as the creator and sustainer, first implying a series of striking and imposing images. The author proclaims Jesus' divinity, describing him as the one who is the image of the invisible God, in whom the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. This confirms in no uncertain terms that Jesus is truly God, to show further Jesus' supreme importance, the author describes him as the co-creator by stating that in him all things in heaven and on earth were created. The material world and the heavenly beings described as thrones, dominions, rulers and powers all trace their origin to Jesus. Finally, Jesus sustains creation in the existence in him, all things hold together. He truly is the creator and sustainer of all that is there. Next, the author turns his attention to the relationship of Jesus to the church, calling him the head of the church. Jesus is the head of the community of the faithful. The church as its creator because he brought it into existence through his resurrection. He is the firstborn from the dead. Second, Jesus sustains the church because through him, God reconciles everything to himself. Jesus reconciles humanity to God by the sacrifice of the cross, which brought about the forgiveness of sins and redemption. Those united with Jesus are united with God through him. This spiritual union is the very foundation and sustenance of the church. As the creator and sustainer of the world and the church, Jesus is the foundation upon which all life, and particularly the life of believers, rest. In Colossians, the author focuses on the spiritual dimension of believers' existence, emphasizing the spiritual prosperity 
and blessing can be found only in and through Jesus. The way to spiritual harmony and well-being leads through him who fills the community of believers with his presence. The Gospel reading contains the well-known story of the Good Samaritan, whose true meaning often remains unrecognized. The story serves to answer the question posed by a Jewish religious scholar, a lawyer, about the way to attain eternal life. Posing the question, the lawyer intended to test Jesus as to whether he would remain faithful to the teaching of the Torah on this matter. Answering, Jesus quotes two key passages from the Torah, citing Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 5. Jesus states that eternal life requires the absolute and total commitment to God, shown by loving Him with all the heart, the soul, and the mind. Second, eternal life requires the love of the neighbor, as stated in Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18. Citing these two passages from the Torah, Jesus proves himself completely faithful and compliant with the divine law. The lawyer, not finding anything wrong with Jesus' answers, pushes the matter further, asking him to define what the word neighbor means. In the view of many Jews of Jesus' day, the teaching and commandments of the Torah applied only to their fellow Jews. Therefore, responding to the challenge and to reveal the right interpretation of the Torah, Jesus proceeds to redefine the understanding of the meaning of neighbor. Using the story of the Samaritan who helps a wounded Jewish man Jesus challenged the prevailing understanding of the neighbor. The priest and the Levite, both Jews, were indifferent to their wounded compatriot, perhaps thinking him already dead. A non-Jew and a despised foreigner, a Samaritan, rescued the suffering man from death at a great personal experience. This certainly is a story of compassion, mercy, and inclusion, but its chief purpose is to teach a lesson about the way to eternal life. The story clarifies that to gain eternal life, one must love one's neighbor. But who is the neighbor? Contrary to the common belief of the day, being neighbors is not based on the ethnic, racial, or national grounds. A person does not become a neighbor 
to another automatically by the, by the virtue of being born in the same country or being of the same race. Therefore, to have neighbors, a person must make neighbors. This neighbor-making process consists in extending mercy to another human being. Mercy in the biblical language is not about forgiveness, rather about protecting, preserving, or restoring life and well-being of someone in need. Thus, we do not have neighbors. We make neighbors. Consequently, the way to eternal life leads through acts of mercy by which a person acquires neighbors. The story teaches that eternal life can be reached through acting mercifully towards a fellow human being in need, by helping fellow human beings prosper in their life. Believers walk the path to the ultimate prosperity. Today's liturgy teaches that prosperity, both spiritual and material, lies within the human reach. It is true that well-being in any form is ultimately God's gift. However, the faithful must take hold of this gift by responding to God in three major ways. First, God's commandments and precepts for a good life made known in the scriptures must be followed. Second, believers will thrive spiritually through their intimate union with Jesus, the creator and sustainer of the church and its head. Finally, through the practice of mercy, believers will seek the well-being and prosperity of another person, make neighbors for themselves, and fulfill the commandment of neighborly love. Those who understand and act on the teaching of today's liturgy are firmly set on the path to eternal life, to the ultimate and holistic prosperity of eternity. These are those for whom, in the words of the psalmist, the commandment of the Lord is clear, enlightening the eyes. Listening to the Word of God The liturgy of today reminds us that God cares for our well-being and prosperity in the material and spiritual sense. He does not leave us alone to search and pursue prosperity blindly, but provides a guide for us through the teaching contained in the scriptures. First, we must thank God for the gift of his teaching given to us as a path to prosperity. In the first reading from the book of Deuteronomy, Moses tells us that the law of God is not something that is too abstract 
or written in such a way that it cannot be accessed. This law is near to us and accessible. It is the word of God that we read and hear frequently. We are called to make the word of God come alive in us so that we can prosper in all that we do. In our traditional African societies, there were many rules and regulations presented in the form of taboos. These taboos were meant to help individuals to have harmonious relationships with God, the ancestors, neighbors, and the environment, ultimately leading to prosperity. Whenever there was a disaster like famine or drought, it was seen as a sign of disharmony in this relationship between God, ancestors, neighbors, and the environment. Hence, the relationship had to be restored so that the land and its people could prosper. For us Christians, God's word serves as a guide to maintain this kind of life-preserving harmony. Today's liturgy also tells us about the central role of Jesus Christ. He is the one who sustains everything that there is, because through his passion, death, and resurrection, Jesus has reconciled everything to God. As Christians in search of lasting prosperity, we must never forget that the person of Jesus stands at the center of our lives. All our pursuits, material and spiritual, must be related to Him. In Him, we find that spiritual connection to God that eventually gives us the greatest prosperity imaginable, eternal life. The liturgy also teaches us that the quest for spiritual and material prosperity involves our relationship to our neighbor whom we encounter in our day-to-day activities. Jesus tells us that the neighbor is not necessarily the one who lives next door to us. Rather, we are called to make neighbors through our acts of compassion mercy, and inclusion. In our context, this is a call to go beyond tribalism, racism, and nationalism, especially in our African society. Tribalism is an issue that brings about exclusion of people, putting them in boxes and labeling them as either evil or wicked. All human beings face the temptation to practice exclusion based on race and economic status. The practice of such exclusion is often seen as a way to protect one's prosperity. However, we are reminded today that exclusion intended to protect prosperity ironically makes true prosperity impossible. God has given to us the law and the teaching of Jesus contained in the scriptures as a guide for the journey through life in a search of well-being and prosperity. These guidelines helps us on the way to eternal life and union with Jesus. However, our earthly prosperity is also important and it is achieved 
by making neighbors in this world through acts of compassion, mercy, and inclusion. As the saying goes, a good deed will make a good neighbor. A good deed will make a good neighbor. Action Self-examination How often do I remember that any of the success I enjoy in my life is a gift from God? Do I make others prosper? In what way? Response to God I will make a regular examination of conscience at the end of the day with particular attention to the ways in which I have been blessed and made to prosper by God's grace and gifts. Response to your world In the course of this week, I will show appreciation to those around me and help them where possible to grow in their giftedness and thus make them prosper in it. As a group, during our prayer session, we will make a cup from paper and each of us will put in it the name of a person or persons whom we have somehow blocked or prevented from achieving success. We will ask for their forgiveness and ask God's blessings on them. God, our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your concern for our material and spiritual prosperity. We thank you for showing us the way to lasting prosperity through your commandments. Help us to live by them and grant us the grace to help others also to live by them so that together as your loving children we may reach eternal life with you. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen.